You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. One of the things we used to do um, in days before I retired, when it would come into the, the winter dark nights and so on, I would be starting to think about where we'll be going on holiday next year and trying to, to plan that. Uh, but now, when you're retired, every day is a holiday and, and uh, you can't do that, but every day is a blessing. And I hope that you will uh, find a, a, and make every day a blessing. Make it your aim to enjoy God and thank God uh, for every day. Maybe some of you have booked your holidays, and maybe some people are on holiday not here today. Maybe you've been on a cruise. I have never been on a cruise apart from Lauren to Karen Ryan, I'm afraid. But there's a story told about a certain cruise ship that pulled into port and all the passengers got off as quickly as possible because they had endured the last number of days on the cruise ship. They had been sick. There had been a virus. And I hope you've never had that awful experience on a cruise ship or anywhere else. And one passenger interviewed as he disembarked said he was trying to appear positive. And he said, I don't want to complain too much. At least we were all in the same boat. He didn't, I think, realize what he had said. But being in the same boat uh, leads me on to the passage that I want to look at and to talk about today. The passage that we read together, the story of Jesus calming the storm. Now, we read it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, but it's one of the passages that is recorded by all three of the synoptic gospel writers, and that's not so of every event, of course. It's you'll find it in Mark 4, 36 to 41, and that you'll find it also in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. It's a very well-known story, and even our children, I'm sure, have learnt that in Sunday school. Most people with any Bible knowledge will be familiar with it. A storm on the Sea of Galilee. Let's um, look, first of all, at the details and then the application. The Sea of Galilee is a beautiful place. Maybe some of you have been there, as I have, on a trip to the Holy Land. It's wonderful. But the Sea of Galilee is really quite small. Uh, it's 13 miles from north to south, and at the widest point, it is only 8 miles wide from east to west. And right around the Sea of Galilee, there were 10 little villages. The Decapolis, the Bible talks about, 10 little villages or 10 towns. And around those 10 towns, Jesus spent quite a bit of his ministry as he talked to people and as he ministered and as he healed and various things that happened around that, around that place. Capernaum, for example, up in the north, uh, where the synagogue was. And if you're to go to the Holy Land today, you will be able to see still the ruins, the pillars uh, of what was probably the old synagogue that would have been there uh, 2,000 years ago. The Jordan Valley uh, makes a cleft in the rock. I'm going to picture, paint in the background for you. The Jordan Valley makes a cleft in the surface of the earth, and the Sea of Galilee is, about, is over 600 feet below sea level. There's a warm, lovely climate around there, and because the hills that surround it, it is prone to these bursts of these squalls 
or these storms that come. It has been stated that the storms on the Sea of Galilee combine suddenness and violence in a pretty unique way. The wind comes from all directions, down from the, down the, in the gorges between the hills, and it strikes the water at a particular angle that fuels the storm and makes the storm a very, very serious one indeed. And that's the background to the passage, what happened when we read about Jesus and his, his, some of his followers, disciples, in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the words in Greek are very vivid here. The storm is called a seismos, which is basically, of course, the same root word uh, as in connection with earthquake, seismology, and so on, that we'll be familiar with. But when the storm had, had blown, what was Jesus doing during the storm? Jesus was down in the boat other, pas other passages maybe give us more information than Matthew does. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Now, I think that's quite amazing, sleeping during a storm. I wonder how many of you could sleep during a storm, even a thunderstorm, now that we live in strong stone-built houses. But I think that's there, that's not insignificant, because the gospel writers, particularly Luke, is anxious to show us the human side of Jesus, that Jesus was fully human, as much, of course, as he was fully divine. And why was Jesus sleeping? He was sleeping because he was exhausted. Like any person who teaches or ministers or deals with people, he got absolutely and completely tired and exhausted. And storm or not, he fell asleep and stayed sleeping in the boat as it was making its way across the sea. You know, I've lived my life, a lot of it, with country people and with farming people, and with due respect, I remember a man saying to me that he thought the only people who worked in life and really worked hard were those people who worked with a spade and a pitchfork and a shovel, which, of course, is absolute entire nonsense because people, who, and everybody here knows, and I know this is maybe not a farming congregation. Everybody knows that working with the brain and working with people uh, and doing that is as tiring and mentally and totally exhausting. In fact, it was said about Martin Luther that Martin Luther, when he got tired of his books, that he went out and worked in the fields with his horse or something like that for relaxation. But I don't know how some will take to that one. However, work, the point I'm making is that work is not just physical work. Jesus was exhausted, and that shows us human, the humanity of Christ. It's important for us to understand the significance of the storm. And as I've said, the word seismos that is used to describe it, it was such a storm so severe that it scared the living daylights out of the, out of the, the disciples. Now, who were those disciples? Well, you remember that a good number of those disciples were actually experienced fishermen. They were not uh, middle-class novelties on a nice holiday cruise. Oh, no. They were people who were used on the Sea of Galilee in a rough, crude fishing boat. It was their everyday living. It was normal. That wasn't the first storm they would have experienced, I have no doubt. 
they were dedicated to working in all kinds of weathers, uh, working on the Sea of Galilee. And on this occasion, they were absolutely shook to the core. They were frightened out of their wits, we might say. And in a desperation call, they tried, and we can imagine, trying to keep this, the boat afloat, trying to keep the water out. And in a last minute, and often it is a last minute desperation cry, they cried to Jesus for help. Well, we know the details of what happened and how Jesus stilled the storm. Here are some lessons that I want to draw out for our edification. First of all, this, we don't like storms, and we don't expect them. Now, we're all human. We don't like storms, and we don't expect them. There is a, a rather silly view held in some very extreme uh, fundamentalist circles that God's people should be exempt from the storms of life. Now, that is simply nonsense. The Word of God says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And Jesus never, ever promised that we would have a storm-free life, much as we might like it. He never promised that. In John 16, verse 33, he said, In this world you will have tribulation. You'll have tribulation. In other words, if you're a follower of Christ, if you live a godly life, there will be storms. Make no mistake about it. But nonetheless... I'm sure you're like me. We find it hard to get used to that the longer, even the longer we live. How do storms come? Well, the storms we're going to experience in life, of course, are not water coming in to sink our boats unless we're out in the sea, but storms come in all kinds of ways. And you can think for yourself the kind of storms that people have to cope with these days, particularly health. When people go to the doctor and they get bad news, they're suddenly in the middle of a storm. Or they go in and they're told their job isn't going to be there anymore. That's a storm. And the many other. And sometimes storms come in the form of unkind words and, uh, and nasty criticism or comments and snipes behind people's backs. That's life. We don't like it. We find it very tough. We find it quite upsetting. There are storms in all kinds of ways, and they, we don't like them any more than the disciples liked the windstorm on the Sea of Galilee long ago. I'm sure you're like me in that regard. But let's face it. Nobody, nobody gets through life without facing storms of one kind or another. Even those that sometimes rock us to the core. And you know, the more I believe that if we are fruitful for the Lord's work, we may expect them, because otherwise the devil, if we're not no trouble to him, why trouble us? Storms come. We don't like storms, but they come, as surely as they went to the, still come to the Sea of Galilee. The second point we, need not, we must not lose sight of is this. If we are true believers, we have Christ with us, in the storms. Christ is with us. They used to sing a chorus when I was in Sunday school or CE or somewhere years ago. It said, with Christ in the vessel, you may smile at the storm. Now, I don't know how particularly good the theology was, but when we're in a storm, 
What we do need to remember is this. We have an anchor. We have, and that's better theology, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us, to direct us. We see how God in his wisdom is working out his plans in our lives, and he works out his plans in the difficult situations of life he brings us through. Count it pure joy, said James, when you receive trials. I find that hard to take in, don't you? Yes, it's there. We have Christ with us in the storms of life. It's only sometimes as we look back over our lives. Maybe something didn't work out at the time, but something else took place. And then we see what was maybe a storm in the past has led a greater blessing in a different way that we couldn't have imagined. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Over the past 40 years I've been a minister, I have worked in churches north and south of the border, and I've met a great variety of people. But you know, some of the people who have endured remarkable storms and difficulties, and they've come through with a faith that is shining bright in incredible hardship, or coping with some particular handicap, that has left an indelible impression on me. Because instead of giving up, their faith has deepened. Whatever storms they've had, they have been able to shine brighter, and it has brought them closer to God. You know, thank God for storms. Oh, we don't like them. But Christ is with us, and sometimes the, the most valuable lessons of life are learnt during the storms from whatever source or direction they come. We may be assured that for those who belong to Christ, God is with us. Oh, I know it doesn't, sun, doesn't always shine. It's not all sunshine. It wasn't obvious as the disciples worked frantically that day against the swelling waves. It wasn't obvious there was a higher hand. And for a minute they were, un they were, un they were uncertain of it. In Christ there is no fear of the storm. And from him came a calm, as our reading explained to us. I know life's not easy. Storms rock us. But here in God's house, I felt led to remind you today that if we have faith as an anchor for the soul, I still believe that God has plans and purposes for our good, no matter what storms of life we or our families may be facing. Fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. Fear makes us forget about God, as indeed the disciples had done. But when fear has the upper hand, faith is often forgotten, and especially when we're in a storm. So let that be a lesson to all of us, that fear should be replaced by faith in a storm. You know that Jesus spoke more often against fear than most other things. Fear of the present, fear of the future, fear of the unknown. In 125 Christ-issued imperatives, 21 times Jesus said, Fear not, do not be afraid. Fear not, 21 times. It's one of the issues that really derails many, even strong people today. 
and it does us well, whatever storm of life we may be facing, to remember that with those who be, with that He is with those who belong to Him. He is with us in the storms of life. So don't conclude like some fundamentalist extremists that because you have faith in the Savior, you will be exempt from the storms of life. The storm still blows on the Sea of Galilee, and I'm sure there are many who are caught up in it today as the disciples were long ago. Here's another point. In Mark's account of the story, Mark 4, 35 to 41, we are given the reason for the journey. Verse 35 reads, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Jesus had work to do on the other side, and there was a purpose in getting into the boat and going over to the other side. Now, some of them might have protested. You know very well that in, in the Middle East, or there, the, that whenever the sun sets, it's, it's almost darkness. There's no twilight like what we have here in this country. Wait till tomorrow morning. No lights on the boat. You can imagine, if it was today, what sort of protests that the disciples might have made. We don't know what, what protests were made. But we do know is there was a purpose in that what turned out to be a hazardous journey. What was the purpose? Jesus needed to go to the other side. There was work for him to do in those towns around the Sea of Galilee. And the lesson I take from that is this. We cannot or we must not shy away from duty because we think it's going to be difficult. And that applies to all of life. A fear-filled wimp will never take a risk and consequently never achieve anything in life. If a farmer waits till the weather conditions are absolutely perfect before he sows his crop, the chances are the summer would have come and gone. If Martin Luther had waited until the Church of Rome had uh, recanted their doctrine of indulgences and, and got back to the truth of the Bible, there would never have been a reformation. And those famous words, here I stand, I can do no other. If people like William Tyndale, 1494 to 1536, had not endured opposition and persecution to smuggle the copies of the English translation of the, from the continent in bales of cloth and was eventually strangled and burnt at the stake for it, the chances are we would never have had the Bible in the English language today. We must never shy away from duty because it's difficult. Jesus needed to go to the other side, whether there was a storm coming or not. I think there's a great lesson in that. Now, uh, th th there's a work that God has for all of us, no doubt, to do. It'll be different, and it'll have challenges. And whatever that is, there'll be storms that we'll face. People will oppose us. People will maybe even persecute us. People will say all kinds of things against us. But we must be strong enough to grasp the nettle. That's the phrase. Are you a nettle grasper? Uh, storms of life. One other thing. They made it safely to the other side only because Jesus calmed the storm.
I've sometimes heard, I'm sure so of you, uh, people perhaps whose lives have been cut off very short in tragedy, maybe a film star or uh, a sports person or, or someone like that, and then you'll hear the comment, now they're looking down on us. That sends a shiver up my spine. Because I don't believe that everybody who dies goes straight to heaven. And I think the Bible makes that very clear. That there's a heaven to be won, trusting in Jesus, but there's a hell to be shunned. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is now therefore no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's that wonderful doctrine of justification by faith that was, was lost in the Middle Ages and sometimes I think is maybe self-peddled again in many of our churches. What a pity. They made it physically to the other side only because Jesus calmed the storm. Only if Jesus is allowed to calm the storms in our lives, to break the power of sin in our lives, our sins are many, his mercy is more. Only if he is allowed to break the power of sin in our lives as we commit to him, will one day we be able to make it to the other side, as it were, to a land that is in the sweet by and by. There are lots of younger people in this church, and it's lovely to see it. You're going to face storms. And the storms you'll face are different to some of the storms that many of the rest of us had to face. They're different. But you know, the, the, the principle is still the same. If our soul is anchored in the finished work of Christ, then and only then is our destination sure. Whatever life throws at us, we must trust Christ through the storm and to carry us through. Let us pray. Thank you. 